0: 10-5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Phelps. Avery for three hits. Culver is safe.
1: The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the
2: A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank now. Here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. A
0: lot coming up on the program today. We're getting ready to begin the 50th season of what was originally Indian Stadium. Robert Spear is going to be in studio, and he's got a lot of great stories to share with us about the building of the stadium, the build up to the stadium, the first game in the stadium, and... You're going to want to make sure to stay tuned for that visit.
1: Yeah, I'll give a shout-out, too, to uh, the Occasions Magazine in September. You're going to see that come out, and it's going to have Jeff and Julie Purinton on the cover standing in midfield in the stadium. But the, the story is really about this 50th season and the history and some of the stuff that's going on. So I encourage folks to check it out.
0: Another busy week for soccer and volleyball. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Baseball announcing a few staff changes this past week. But we'll start with football. The Red Wolves opening the season at 19th ranked Oklahoma on Saturday. And everybody knows what happened on the field. But we talked about this going in and talked about it with Coach Jones and all the pregame stuff that we did I know I did a lot of interviews with Oklahoma folks during the course of the week. And one thing that kind of got brought up was, you know, how is A-State going to make this a game? And I said, well, you got to get off to a good start. You can't get down 14 nothing in the first five minutes and dig yourself that big hole. And it was just over two minutes into the game yeah. and you're down 14 to nothing. They go on that opening drive where they march down and score. And then you go three and out, you punt it. They return it for a touchdown, and things just seem to snowball after that.
1: It's I had somebody ask me Thursday night, like, quote, yeah, what's your – I mean, I I use their term because it does not apply. I said, what's your expert opinion on this Oklahoma game? And I hope everybody understands the context of which I mean my answer. I said, man, I, I don't know. And the truth is, I mean, obviously, I want to win, but I, I almost don't care. Not about what happens, but just like to me – Short of you know, getting beat at the horn or winning the game, there wasn't going to be much that happened. It was going to tell me a whole lot. Now, I, didn't, I, like nobody else, saw what ended up happening coming. But listen, you and I went to Eugene, Oregon in 2012 and watched Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota, and they could have scored 100 had they chosen to. He slammed on the brakes, Chip Kelly did, Yeah, against a team that won a Sunbelt Conference Championship. That's kind of what came to mind Saturday when, when that was over. Is just that, I mean, look, for as bad as it was, yeah, Oklahoma could have made it a little worse if they just wanted to stay on the gas pedal. But it doesn't tell the tale of the season. You're 0-1 the same as Aveda kicked the field goal at the horn.
0: One thing that really stood out was just the tempo that Oklahoma played with as well. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Just coming out of the gate, and look – We're sitting here talking about the things that didn't go right for the Red Wolves. Oklahoma is coming off their first losing season since 1998. You knew they were going to come out and try to make a statement, and it just happened to be Arkansas State that was the first team that was on the schedule, and... They came out and made a statement, and that's exactly what they wanted to do.
1: I still think it's entirely possible, and just file this away, and we'll come back. But as this season unfolds and it ends, and you certainly and you look about the way both seasons went for both teams, I think we come back and, and revisit the opener and say, you know what? That had a whole lot more to do with Oklahoma than it did with Arkansas State.
0: One thing that stood out, and obviously things that need to – be corrected special teams we're so used to seeing the special teams just be so solid under coach jones the last couple of years they were number two overall in the nation and special teams a year ago but some offsides penalties on extra points we saw a couple of missed field goals which you know we got spoiled last year with dominic zavada and his fantastic season as a freshman i think we, we all know these are things that can easily be cleaned
1: up on a punt return score
0: first time since 2016 that's happened against an a-state team so those are just some of the things if you're looking for positives i guess the offensive line was a positive the other day you gave up just one sack against that oklahoma defense and that came later in the ball game in the second half And that was one of the things we were kind of looking forward to this year was the offensive line and the fact that we've got those three transfers there and you're averaging over 320 pounds up front. J.T. Shrout, he didn't turn the ball over. He goes 12 of 26 for 148 yards, but there were a handful of drops in there too. Looking forward to turning the page here. One thing that Coach Jones brought up on the TV show the other night was, hey, the biggest improvement is always from week one to week two. So now – You turn the page, you get ready for Memphis, and you try to make that big improvement.
1: You just can't lose the Oklahoma game twice. And it's really, it's not about the result. It's about, you know, everything that led up to it. And I understand. Man, I get it. But the point spread and the percentage index, I mean, it's the way it was for a reason in terms of the program Oklahoma has. And the phrase they kept using on the TV broadcast, they have one losing season a generation. Yeah. And they got it out of the way last year, and clearly it, It left a bad taste in their mouth. And and listen, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, you know, they might have done some things differently on offense and this and that, but defensively, they had starters out there essentially to the end of the game because they wanted to pitch a shutout. Once they knew it was kind of in play, they went after pitching a shutout.
0: They had their first team all Big 12 defensive end out there making a sack with – I don't know, five or six minutes left yeah. in the game. And I even commented on the broadcast, you just kind of wonder why he's on the field at this point.
1: The Invincibles wanted a shutout.
0: They wanted a shutout, and they pitched that shutout. So we'll forget about Oklahoma. Get ready for Memphis this week. Kickoff at 6 o'clock at Centennial Bank Stadium. And look, it's the first game of the 50th season. We're going to talk about that more with Robert Spear here in the next few minutes, but... It's important for for folks to continue to be behind this team and know that it's just one game.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this at the tail end, but I'll say it here at the beginning. If you're already out, number one, you're probably not listening to this. But even if you are listening to this and you're already out, then you weren't really in.
0: Makes a lot of sense. We'll be back with Robert Spear right after this on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Brian
1: Hodson, and I'm asking you to help our A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This
0: organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our student athletes by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T-Club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Wolves up. We are pleased to welcome back to the podcast somebody who's been here before the Hall of Honor defensive end for the Red Wolves. Well you're an Indian. That's correct. You're a Red Wolf now. It's Robert Spear. How you doing man? I'm doing good. This is a big week because uh, you actually texted me and gave me the idea for inviting you into the studio this week. You
2: sound like I'm self promoting myself. Well, yeah, you know, there's
0: not a lot of people that volunteer to be guests on this show, and I appreciate you doing that. But I thought it was very timely, because as Brad has been promoting a lot and and doing we, a great we, job at it. Absolutely, we we've been talking about it for the last several months. Just the fact that this is the 50th season of the stadium and. You're a Jonesboro guy. so And we talked about this the first time you were here for the podcast, just growing up, going to games at the old Kays Field. So just kind of wanted to hear your take on when the stadium did get built, the new stadium, and just kind of the anticipation leading up to that event. And there was a lot that went into it, right?
2: Oh, correct. 100%. You know, I was blessed, uh, guys, to – you know, moved to Jonesboro in nineteen sixty five and, and become a um uh, you know, Arkansas State Indian fan, going to all the games. And I think I'm told y'all before I was raised right down the street from Coach Davidson's house. Played in his backyard with his son Billy Jean and you know, his daughter Sharon was were there and all the neighborhood kids and Coach Davidson was a true hard ass. He was. Yep. I mean his nickname Bull <laughs> fit him well. I mean very fitting name, yes. And when you're, you know, fifth graders and sixth graders and you're playing in the yard of the, at that time, the offense line coach at Arkansas State, if you didn't come out of there with a bloody nose or scratches and torn T-shirts, he'd get on to you. He loved us. he put boxing gloves on us and let us box even. And you know, I got to see all the great <laughs> players back then uh, come over to his house and hang out. And you know, just in all the Bill Burgies, the Clovis Swings, the Wayne Dorton's, all the especially the offense linemen that were there at that time. Just Bill Phillips. I mean, I can go on and on with that list of names. And you know, just in all of those guys. I uh, I didn't tell you the one of you guys this. I haven't
1: seen you since it happened, but. Uh, I was approached by, like, the archives division of our library on the A-State campus, mm-hmm. and they said, hey, we've, uh, we kind of came across some OKAIT file footage you think you might be interested in, and they put it up on Dropbox to so able to get to it, and there were some game clips we could talk about some other time, but there was about 11 or 12 minutes worth of just different now is this what you used during the TV show? They had some of that, yeah, yeah. construction footage that Dick mm-hmm. Clay had shot. Yes. That was good yes. stuff, yeah. And but he'd also like along the way, it was different stages, obviously of the construction from all different angles, and you know there was some there's a some some stand ups he shot describing that uh, what we know, you know the the east side of the stadium. That thing was initially you know the lower level because it started out with just the one side over there. That whole thing was intended to be student section. Fifty four hundred seats for students over there. And then he gets the other side to the west side. He's talking about the press box. He's talking about no, that's this lower level will be open air. It's the Chiefs Council and above that will be the happy hunting grounds. And <laughs> he had interviews with uh Senator Bookout and Don Floyd and Spear knows I how much I enjoy that stuff anyway, but then to kind of keep learning stuff is that one of the interviews was about that. How close were they gonna be able to get it for that Louisiana Tech game? Because at one point in the construction there was a strike amongst the construction workers. So there was yes. like a month of yes. the summer in the in the construction of the stadium where no work got done. And uh, so Dickie Bird was out trying to get an update as to whether this thing was still on schedule or not.
2: You know, I know there was a lot of sleepless nights for all the administrators and, and uh, politicians that helped. Uh, and you mentioned Don Floyd. It never would have been done without Don Floyd, our athletic director. And I was fortunate. Uh, his daughter, Donna, went, was in the same class as I was. Got to be close to her family, and Don Floyd was a great, great athletic director, and he had a vision for that. Now, talking about visions, you know, when I, like I said, when I moved here in 65, they were talking about that new stadium that was going to be built. New stadium. And they had drawings of it. And, you all have seen it. The horseshoe-looking drawing that's been around forever. And Coach Davidson and Benny Elner had that in their offices just blown up and bring all those recruits and say, yeah, we'll be here. Yeah, we'll be here.
0: This was in 65. So, yeah. nine years before yeah, we actually you know, they, were, they were talking there. about all that yeah.
2: stuff. then I can just remember sitting in the head coach's office in there on a that big beautiful drawing, and then you look at Kay Stadium and telling all those guys, "Yo, you'll play there, you'll play there, you'll play there." Then they finish their whole career, you know, and never get to play there. <laughs> so a lot of promises were made, but you know, let, let, let me regress a minute about K's Field. Y- y'all just do not realize how special a place K's Field was.
0: You've always talked just so highly. Oh about yeah,
2: it. I mean it was. The grass is perfect. I mean it was perfect, uh, and it had that cinder track around it. Eight lane track, going out there watching Thomas Hill and all those great athletes <laughs> in track program back then. Yeah, you know, perform on that cinder track. You know, watching the horse run around the track after a touchdown, and it was right there in the middle of campus. so All the students were there. You know, it only I think like seventy five hundred people, but I mean it was just a great atmosphere. All the sororities and fraternities having their flags fly there, and and they were all sitting in their sections in that dress room in that in our locker room. We're underneath the stadium. So we just walked right out about the 50-yard line and walked across the track, and we were there on the field. Do y'all realize that Jonesboro High School did not have a stadium back then? Mm -hmm. So all the Jonesboro High School games were played at K Stadium. Okay. Okay, Jonesboro High School did not have their first stadium.
0: And I didn't realize that. Their
2: first first stadium to 1971, 1970, they built one called Woodland Field where the kindergarten center is. And that's where I played my high school ball at. So it realized all Jonesboro games were played at Case Field also back then.
0: Obviously, there had to be a lot of excitement about a new stadium oh, once you know, it finally yeah. got here and opening up in 1974. But I'm sure there was a part of you that was sad as well because Case Field was such a special place.
2: Well, you know, I was blessed, and I think I've told you all before. I got to play my first game, first season in Case Field. So I was part of the last game there and the first game in the Indian Stadium. And so that was an awesome experience. There's only a few of us who can ever say that. Sure. And uh, just great experiences over there. In that stadium at Kays Field. And I keep on regressing back that because that's where men were made back then. They had a weight room and a mats up above our dress room. You had to realize that stadium was made out of steel. That training room upstairs was uh, no air conditioners. And you had mat drills. Where you'd go one-on-one on the mats, and it's kind of like a uh, a wrestling thing, you know, only the toughest survived up there, and uh, men were made up there. <laughs> I mean, it didn't matter you'd, if you were going against somebody competing for their jobs, you'd call them out on the mat drills, and it'd just be man- on man up there, and the walls were nothing but steel, so if you got thrown in the wall, that's just too bad. You know, you didn't have all the fancy performance coaches as they call them now, and all that stuff. It was just coaches doing it, so it, it was it was great. It was awesome. So many great memories in that old stadium.
1: Now, another change recently that kind of kind of brought back some stories for a lot of the former players. is, You know, they tore down the building with the pool and
2: I think a lot of workouts happened underneath right. that thing Did sure did oh yeah yes sir we we sure did it had two universal weight machines if you know what a universal weight machine is it had like eight stations around this and a lot of hotels used to have them in there uh-huh. and oh, there wasn't any individual weight lifting so they bought two of those put underneath there and you could go all the way around a pool in a circle and it had glass windows underneath that pool so we could see everybody while well, we we're down there working out, all the girls and everybody up there in the pool adjusting their bathing suits and stuff and you know, they come down there and look through the windows. You wouldn't do that. Well, only only in between whistles.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about the, one of the zillion ways things are different. All right, so this stadium opened in nineteen seventy four, which you would think that meant in nineteen seventy five, right? The football media guy would just be chock full of pictures of the new stadium. There's one picture in that media guide of the new stadium, and two
2: pictures in that media guide of girls
1: in bikinis.
2: Well, it's called recruiting, <laughs> recruiting, <laughs> recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. <laughs> sure is. But that's one point. It did. Uh, it hurt my feelings. You know. I know things need to be repaired, and it's always a money factor. But you know, after all those hard workouts and stuff, you know, we'd get to go over and jump in a pool. I got to work on that p complex back then and it you know it just sits right where the old stadium was Mm -hmm. and so my summer job was working out there and just so many great memories and it really hurt my feelings to uh watch that old stadium be so down so the hype is about is is where caves was exactly yeah and the parking lot's where the field is that parking lot now that's where the and you just see all the, like I said, all the history there. The Earl Bells competing out there in the pole vault, like I said, Thomas Hill, all those great track what, teams back then. What was the capacity of Kays Field? Do you remember? 7,800.
0: 7,800. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: All the back kids in, walked, you know, walked out of their dorms and stuff there. You know, you didn't need a whole lot of parking except for people coming from out, in, out of town. You know, so all the campus people were right there. Well,
0: we see you. what the stadium capacity is now, a little yes. over 30,000, yes. but... You know, back in 1974, the initial capacity for the stadium was a little over 16,000. That's right. So That's right. you're doubling the size, That's right. a little more than double the size yeah. of what Kay's Field was. I'm sure that place seemed massive oh, the first time yeah, you walked in. sure
2: did. Uh, of course, like I said, with me being from here, I'd go out there every day and watch them build that. Just, I was so interested in how they did all that. See, all that concrete where the seats are was bust in prefabbed. So you can see some of that video that she showed on that. It showed the, the structure, the support structure being built, then everything else brought in on prefab and put put in. But you have to realize that press box was unreal. You know, that's one of the best press boxes anywhere back then. You know, three stories, air conditioning. Yeah. You know. I mean, I was looking at Oklahoma's press box the other day. That was nothing to write home about on the outside appearance, in my opinion. I don't know how nice it was up there but just Well, I was on the outside. sixth
0: floor. I, I was about as high as you can get. Yeah, so. but
2: you know, looking out it I mean it almost looked like something down at Louisiana Lafayette. You know, as bad as there's Sorry. But it but was anyway, fine, Robert. But anyway, uh, you know, like I said, we the game got postponed and we had three more weeks of practices and I can remember it the week we were moving in to our double wide trailers. We had to uh, load up our own wooden lockers out of the old stadium and move them over to the double wide traders. So we went that dress room underneath the K Stadium was pretty nice. I mean, it was as big and had a lot of room. Then we'd go to the double wide traders, and there wasn't any room, you know, like two commodes and about four shower heads for a whole football team. You know, the visitor side locker room would have been on the north side. Which, that's where all the freshman players were, Mm -hmm. which turned out good for them because they were isolated from the upperclassmen. Unlike when I was a freshman, (laughs) got harassed all the time because we were all in the same locker room together. So we were easy, easy targets. But the freshmen then were isolated. Then you had the coaches' offices kind of in the middle. So, like, the freshmen had to walk out of their locker room and come all the way outside, you know, to come over to the main part and our varsity side, as we, we said. We didn't know any better. You know, we thought it was great. So he, he kinda of jumped into the story we were actually telling right before we started recording.
1: Because the first game in the stadium in Indian Stadium was September twenty eighth, nineteen seventy four, which turned out to be that team's season opener. Uh so the schedule was kinda of wonky anyway. It was. Because it was. you had a game and then like one or two open dates. Oh yeah. Exactly. Before the game before the game against Louisiana Tech, and then your first game Ends up
2: not happening once you guys get to Lafayette. That's right. The hurricane came in, and as they say, we were our last plane out. I mean, they actually had to take the plywood down off the uh, control tire to get our plane up. And I'm look—I remember looking out the window, and they were nailing it back up as soon as we took off. And that plane was dead silent because most of us, you know, never been through anything like this, and and it was it was it was scary, very scary. But uh, you know, when I was a freshman. We met over at the stadium now and, and had a big hole dug there in the north end zone. Coach Davison had arranged for a bunch of the watermelons to be brought up there. So our first day at camp, we all brought there and a big hole was dug there, but nothing was built. Concrete, just a mm-hmm. big big hole. And he said, Boys, I told you I was gonna build you a stadium and here it is. Of course those seniors saying, Yeah, you told us that five years ago when you recruited <laughs> us. You know, and here we up there eating watermelon and until we actually moved in it, we were still doubtful that it had to be done. But you have to remember that stadium was built on grassroots money. It was built on small donations. If you ever look go underneath the stadium on the home side, there's that big monument there with all these people's names that yeah. were built on a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollar donations for that stadium. The faculty built.
1: gave a big donation. The
2: faculty, exactly, exactly. I like can't. It. it was really a unique experience.
1: Well,
0: what's amazing is just. The whole buildup and really what you told us earlier, I mean, it's like a nine year buildup. Oh, I mean, yes. they, they were talking about this in 1965 and oh, then 1974 yeah. finally comes around, had the strike, the worker strike at the stadium. Yes. You didn't know if it was going to be ready on time. And then you have this long delay and the opener gets pushed back to. September 28th of 1974.
2: Against who? Louisiana Tech, who'd won a national championship before.
0: So take us back to September 28th, 1974. You finally get to play at the stadium,
2: Indian Stadium, for the very first time. What's that day like? Against our team that everybody hates, Louisiana Tech. Uh, You know, the Southern Conference had not really been in existence that long, and they dominated it for sure. All those years, and we knew how good they were. I mean, they had so many great players. Several more in the NFL Hall of Honor right now, or Hall of Fame.
1: They've uh, got the other three. Louisiana yeah. Tech
2: has three yeah. Hall of Famers. Yeah, Mike Barber, you know Fred Dean, those guys. Of course, we you know we had a great team too. But uh, it was an afternoon game. You have to realize Indian Stadium did not have lights the first two years. Stadium lights, so we had mm-hmm. play all of our games like a one o'clock kickoffs. I mean, construction crews pretty well had to just take their long lunch break while we were playing the game. I mean, they were still out there trying to complete the upper deck and a lot of stuff. So you still had your – if you see some of those OVOs, you still had your work cranes out yeah. there. And I really
1: think platforms. they probably had for that Louisiana Tech game probably around eleven or 12,000 seats available because they had the both right. lower sections at about 5,400 apiece and then room for probably a 1,000 or so in the upper deck was how much of it was done.
2: Yeah, yeah it was uh, – and I, I know there's still – You know, if the game was ever going to be played, even under those conditions, you know, unfortunately, doggone it, we got beat that first game. Came back and
0: won the next one, though. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, yes, yes. Well, you know, we ended up seven and three that year. Should have been eight and two. You know, had a had a great team. Can you remember who scored the first touchdown? Of course I do. The mule, Stan Winfrey from Forest City. One-yard touchdown run by Stan Winfrey. Who ended up being a second-round draft pick to Miami Dolphins. And I still, he still lives in Forest City and still get to visit with him. And uh, he was a tough bird. Sure was. You know, he's one of those groups that I think we've talked about before. One of the first group of uh, black athletes, you know, to come play. Matter of fact, out of Forest City High School, he did not come here first. He went up north and played like a lot of the African-American athletes did back then. Then he, then he came back here his, uh, his next year, and Mule, as we call him, was a name very well-fitting for him because he was tough, tough. He really wore out a little skinny-legged guy from Jonesboro High School when he's coming out on that block on the end. But uh, he made all of us tougher, and I'm still glad he's alive, and I'm sure he'll be coming to some games this year. He always does. Great. Uh, yeah, but that was a good game. But, you know, we bounced back and had a good season.
0: It's fun to hear you know, these kind of memories, because obviously, you know, Brad and I weren't able to be there back then but i mean you just see the way the stadium has progressed over the years and again we, we've nearly doubled the capacity now we know the renovations that have gone on in the last decade or so mm-hmm. could you ever back then have envisioned this stadium oh, being what no, it is no, now no no
2: no no and I'm, i am I kind of like to think of myself as a visionary person always looking in the future but you know the trailers are right there where the student health center is right now mm-hmm. and uh Practice field is still the same practice field, except they cut down the old oak tree over in the corner that that was always our one tree out there on the practice field that we huddled around and got our one cup of water during practice at, and our you know about our two minute you know break in between three hour practices two a days. But it's so much excitement in town when that stadium was built. I mean, just so much excitement. You know, the new year, it just uh, you don't realize that Don Floyd after that left. He went to work for Dale Bumpers and Dale Bumpers' office up in Washington, Senator Bumpers. You know that was his legacy. He wanted to get that built before he left, and he went into politics. It's
1: interesting you say. Can you ever imagine it? And I get what he's saying, how you from what it started to where it is. But truth is, like I've got a framed. You know the original sort of drawing, concept drawing of the stadium Mm -hmm. up on the wall in my office. The horseshoe, and it was two decks, and a it was a complete horseshoe Mm -hmm. all the way around, minus all the bells and whistles we got now. Similar to kind of where it ended up right now. It's just they weren't able to get there from the beginning. You know, they had to make some adjustments along the way based on funding. But yeah, the, the first concept was. For to have the upper deck from the get go
2: and and be a complete horseshoe, you know I'm going to give credit out and we hadn't talked about it. Probably a lot of the credit went out to 1970 national championship team because that really got the ball rolling even more. Having that great season to get that stadium built, you know most people hadn't thought about that, but you know it happened and that's the truth. You know they were they had those great teams in the 60s, championships playing in the pecan bowl, winning the pecan bowls, and the great 1970 team that won the national championship and. Unfortunately, those guys never got to play in that stadium, but I have to give them a shout-out. there are the reason that it happened. There's no doubt.
1: You get in it in 74, kind of get used to your new digs, and then – all you guys did the second go-round was go undefeated.
2: Oh, yes, yes. You know, we are undefeated, you know, in 1970, 1975. You know, two years prior to 75, we were, like I said, we were 7-3, and three, which most coaches would die for that record. You know, we only played 10 games back then. Uh, like I said, we should have been 8-2 and two both those seasons. But we were happy for 7-3 and three in the South End Conference. I guess I'll go ahead and bring up, I think you all know, the last game in Case Field, what happened. We played Texas Arlington. Yes, Texas Arlington and we were beating them down there in the north end zone the last game there in stadium and matter of fact two of my teammates David Hines a great quarterback of 1975 team was at Oklahoma this weekend and Bill Music nose guard were there with me and I got to bring him down on the sideline visit with him for the game and we were talking about all that and we was talking about that fight and Bill Music started that fight because he made a, a real good tackle down there and some um, frustration came out on texas arlington's uh football team and a heck of a fight broke out heck of a fight and, and y'all have heard this story but i'm gonna repeat it after that fight we kicked their butts get into the...
1: beat, beat them up so bad they quit football
2: yeah exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly made them walk back to texas arlington but after the game you know coach Davidson, you know he's about five foot eight and probably weighed Close to 300 pounds back then. And, you know, he got on, we went in the locker room and got, he got on top of the old wooden lockers and said, not only we kicked their ass during the game, we kicked their ass during the fight. Oh, let's go to Roy's and drink beer all night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're a freshman, you know, and hearing Coach saying, let's go, you know, have celebrate, we did. Well,
0: that kind of goes back to our first time we visited. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah it sure did. I mean, that's the we're, truth. You know, we ended that. We closed that stadium and you know closed the roads. and the way it should have been. Sure did. And then <laughs> now, the now
0: you didn't get ejected in this one, did you? No. Now we, we we've already established yeah, that yeah, that was you're was the only two person to,
2: to get ejected twice from homecoming. Yeah, the first two homecomings <laughs> and like I said, it broke my mama's heart over there. You know. Sure did, but you know, things happen. It's just funny talking about fights. When we played Louisiana Tech, of course, we hated them, they hated us. And we had a player named Mike Nichols who had been a player there, then he quit playing and was a SIG up. And we had a lot of teammates that were SIG up. So we're playing Louisiana Tech and a lot of pushing and shoving. We had a, a, a tackle named uh, John Minette from Corning, and he was playing against Fred Dean. And Fred Dean was all American, great player, like I said, a hired draft choice in the NFL Hall of Fame and and John, like I said, from Corning and he didn't back down. He aggravated Fred all night, boy. And they got in a fight. Well, next thing we know, Mike Nichols, who was our fraternity brother, jumped out of stands, took his shirt off and come running off out there in a fight on the field. Because his fraternity <laughs> brothers were fighting. And he I mean, I can see that just like yesterday. We're like, Is that Nichols running down there? But he saw his you know, brother, you get getting a fight, and he wanted a piece of it. <laughs> so, listen, this is
1: – I mean, I have an opinion that's unpopular amongst certain come of the come of the old-timers because they just don't want anything favorable to ever happen to Louisiana Tech. But because – really because of the stuff you're talking about, oh, yeah. I wish when all of this conference tree alignment shook out, you know, I wish they have ended up back in the league.
2: I, I mean, I do too. That way I wouldn't hate Lafayette so bad, and I'd hate Tech worse. <laughs> you know, But, you know <laughs> – Lose at Tech, you know, they won a national championship in 1970. and 1971, they played Tech down there and Tech beat them and, you know, broke the long winning streak and all that stuff. So there's always been a long hatred there. Of course, those coaches back then, Coach Davidson was such a master of uh, psychological warfare. He knew how to push everybody's button. He was such a player coach's dream. And I wish some of these coaches nowadays could learn how to relate to their players. He was soft-spoken never raised his voice but he could chew you out without even raising his voice
0: just by looking at you
2: yeah he knew and he'd put his arm around you he wouldn't embarrass you put an arm around you and he'd say call me spud my spud was my nickname all through school he says, spud you're just getting your butt kicked out there aren't you what are you gonna do about it he wouldn't yell or anything but he made his point that i was embarrassing <laughs> myself in front of my mom and my dad and, and my teammates and, and, uh, and
0: uh, that that hurt worse oh, i'm sure yeah, than if he yeah. were in your face just yelling at yeah. you
2: now coach malham was opposite our position okay. coach he's, he's one of those who grab your face mask <laughs> and twist you around of course he was old marine you know fought in world war ii and tough as nails old school you couldn't get away with that now oh no 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 those moms would come down off the bleachers wouldn't they getting on to him you they found their little Johnny with the head turned sideways and <laughs> grabbing a face mask, you know. But he'd leave it on the field after game was over. Mm-mm, it was over with then. But during that game, he was he was that way, intense.
0: Well, this has been a fun conversation. Always is with you, and we appreciate you coming in and sharing some memories with us. Is it us. over with? Is there anything else well, you want to it, mention well, here? Wait a minute, I got my we list. He's got his notes.
1: We do need to right mention. Mean, the whole part of the sales pitch yeah. man, is you made. You know, come in and talk yeah. about. Playing Memphis, who's the home yeah. opener Saturday? Well, yeah. but you a all that time talking about hating Louisiana Tech. Well,
0: well that's true. Yeah. Hate,
1: oh well, let's talk about hating Memphis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you played. I guess your one game against Memphis was in that seventy-five yeah, season. Let's right? talk about and, Memphis. And you actually went to Memphis and beat them twenty-nine to
2: ten. It was very personal. Uh, I came very close to going to University of Memphis State to play. You know, I signed a, a letter of intent with Richard Williamson. Mm -hmm. The great Alabama receiver and NFL person that became Memphis's coach. And uh, it was a good recruiting experience over there. They did a good job, but Memphis is Memphis, and I'm the Jonesboro guy. I want to stay here. But it was so great that we went over because, you know, Jackie and a great Mm -hmm. TV announcer and sports announcer over there for so many years just belittled us all week. Of course, we got the Memphis News over here in sports. They were one of our three channels. Exactly right. <laughs> Channel <I> mean, 5. <laughs> yeah, 3, 5, and 13 at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can remember hearing him say, yeah, all y'all make early supper reservations because this game will be over at halftime. And you all going to leave here and after we whoop them and all that stuff. Well, they got there whooped sure did we went over and beat them every which way we could And it was funny two years later when i was playing in an all-star game after the season richard williams was one of the coaches at that time and a couple of their players and so got to rehash that game and they had no idea you know what was coming towards them they, they didn't have any respect for us they'd beaten auburn and auburn was like in the top 15 the week four so they were just gonna massacre us and send us back across the river and that was a that was a great night that was the one game that you played in
0: against Memphis, oh, but yeah. you've been on the sidelines for countless others. Oh, yeah. Give me
2: your favorite memory of A State. Oh, Memphis. no, no. There's no way. There was no way I could do that. Now,
0: you were down on the field, though. Were you on the field when we we won on the Hail Mary, right? Oh, yes. yes okay. So, yeah. it, it, one of my favorite things about that that really doesn't get talked about as much is how Coach Roberts reacted. And he ran out on the field and started celebrating.
2: He ran out on the field, and I was right behind him because I was trying to keep him getting rejected because, you know, it the game hadn't been called. And so I'm right behind him, and he's running out there like a wild man. You know, and he's slinging his headset off, and he's right into White Hat's face. Is it good? Is it good? And White Hat said, Coach, your guess is as good as mine. I, I couldn't see it. At that time, the referees didn't have uh, radio communications, you know, headsets where they could talk about it. So, you know that how long pass was that? Fifty three yards. So I mean, we were out there at midfield, you know, talking to White Hat, Coach Roberts, and the play was you know down in the in the end zone, fifty yards away, or actually I guess more than that, sixty, because it's right at the back of the end zone. Yep.
0: Oh, Corey threw that about seventy yards. Yeah,
2: and you know then the other guys come running up there to talk to the white hat and they were having that conversation what'd you see what'd you see and that one guy said well i saw a catch and so they went you know give the td you know <laughs> signal and the famous you know coach keedy radio call yeah go nuts go nuts you know well, that's crazy. The, the
1: funny you know because that obviously that clip gets played a lot but like to me like the hidden gem in that is Touchdown! No flags, because it just well, he's been there and done that. <laughs> <used to> say,
0: <laughs> that's the thing, and I until I saw those hands get raised, right. I was not going to say touchdown. Exactly, and he said touchdown, and and I mean okay. there were a couple times we went back and forth, and I said no signal,
2: and then well, then finally is, we got the signal. This to be grateful that one referee had to, the guts or nerve to call it, because the other two were standing there like. You know, and it was a pile of people in there. You know, I think both teams had 22 people or 30 people trying to catch that ball down there. You know, it was a massive, if you see the picture. And the one guy, you know, I got it. Touchdown. You know, it wasn't replay back then. Replay would have stood. It would have held up, yeah. It would have held sure up have. for sure. They,
0: they did talk about it a long time. Yeah. I mean, there, there was no, a good sure five did. minutes. Of... Oh, it
2: seemed like a 30 minutes out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was crazy. I wish I could remember everything Coach Roberts. Of course, you know, he was so emotional anyway. Really was a great guy and very emotional. Oh, and, yeah. You know, just a scrapper out there. and. He was fighting for his team. I I remember he told
0: me when we sat down Monday morning in his office, he said, I lost my mind. I mean, it was just not what you normally see from him. But uh, it's a, a great memory.
2: He'd seen us probably get so many calls against us sometimes that we don't agree in that would end the game not in our favor, as most coaches would think. He never surrendered. I guess my best part of my life so far has been, you know, I've been around every head coach since 1965, since Billy Ellender was here, you know, and me riding my bicycle across town, you know, going to practices because I knew Coach Davison and knew a lot of the players. And my dad was a state trooper, and he worked the games, you know, working traffic and sideline stuff. And I probably could write a book on every coach's personality. And cause everyone. I'd like has, to read that book. Everyone's yeah. been different. As you know, you've been around. Who yeah. was your first coach you worked with? Well, coach Roberts. Yeah. Well, you know, all the ones before are just uh, very unique, unique people for sure i've been blessed i've been blessed see a lot of great players a lot of coaches and golly we just need everybody to turn out saturday 6 p.m to beat memphis i mean beating memphis will just put us on the road cure you know. what else you Oh, think. exactly the next two games stony brook then the hate southern miss <laughs> they have uh but look how many times southern miss has broken our hearts over the years oh yeah in bowl games and and regular season games. We had a lot just, of close games with Southern Miss. Oh, yeah. I just sure have. We're, we have a good conference. It's a lot of fun. It you know, is. Seeing, seeing new places and new teams. I'm really looking forward to going to see Marshall this year. You know, it's such a historical place up there. Yeah. And so, it's good. But everything's going to be good. You know, I've talked to some of the players. And, you know, they're all good. You know, they get their feelings hurt like the rest of us did. You know, we thought we'd be a little bit more competitive than we did. but you have to realize this Oklahoma team, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're a good team. Yeah, they're not Great bad. Great team. No. We'd had to play a perfect game, you know, to to beat them. And
0: The biggest improvement tends to be from week one to week two. Hopefully we see a big one this week. Yeah. And hopefully you're holding Coach
2: Jones back from a – big celebration on the field holding him That's back right. i'll be holding myself back <laughs> you know throwing that cowboy hat up in there and stuff <laughs> I, I just don't want everybody to give up on us because these are great kids out there and and they want to win and they're not going to give up and we just need to come out here and, and get support and get it rolling which we can i mean if texas taken go beat baylor
0: yeah, it's a good league. Yeah,
2: and our conference did well this week. Absolutely. You know. But, you know, you regress a little bit. You know, these guys, I know they got beat bad Saturday, but they will have always have great memories of going out there and playing in a large crowd and, and see these guys playing on Sundays from Oklahoma. and They'll like that stuff.
0: That's Robert Spear joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this.
1: When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows.
2: Wherever we play, wherever we fight,
1: wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce
2: is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Destiny Rogers, and I'm asking you to help our student-athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters, special gear, and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes in the future of our sports program. Wolves up.
0: Soccer team had a couple of matches this past week. They fell at Kansas last Thursday, 3-0. Then uh, they began a four-game homestand on Sunday afternoon. They started it off with a win, defeating Southeastern Louisiana 1-0. See, back when we started this podcast, Mm -hmm. I didn't have the nil thing That's right. But now I've, I've got it. Nikolai and Hansen with the game winner in the 85th minute. It came late, it's
1: but down to the nitty-gritty.
0: The Red Wolves able to pull it out. They're now 2-2 and 1 on the season. They will be back in action coming up on Thursday as they continue the home stand against Oklahoma State. Yeah,
1: 3 good o'clock. Oklahoma State team coming in here. Real good opponent, so hopefully the fans can get loose and come check that out.
0: And that's Thursday. I'll at buy three. your ticket.
1: If you listen to this podcast, you just walk up to the gate and tell them uh, I said. Tell them Bobo said you, you. Yeah, you get in for free.
0: Volleyball taking two out of three matches in Houston over the weekend. That was at the Molly Howard Gerwig Invitational, named in honor of the late wife of A State head coach Brian Gerwig. The Red Wolves sweeping Prairie View AM on Friday afternoon. They lost to Houston Christian in four sets. On Friday night, that was their first loss of the year. And then they came back the very next afternoon and swept 10 in three sets. So now, A-State sitting at 5-1 and one on the season. Good start for the Red Wolves. Yep. They're going to be back on the road this weekend playing at the Saluki Bash in Carbondale, facing Eastern Illinois and Southern Illinois on Friday, and then Alabama A&M on Saturday morning. And I think it's neat, you know, Coach Gerwig and his staff... We're uh, out there at Live with the Red Wolves on Wednesday night. And they're usually there most weeks during the season. It was neat to see them.
1: That, you know, and should touch on briefly what a cool moment for the sport of volleyball last week with uh, Nebraska playing a home match in uh, its football stadium and setting the world record for a women's sporting event with just over 92,000 people there. Just amazing. That's really, really, really cool. It gives me goosebumps to think about that for the kids. Really, both teams, the Omaha kids, too, to be a part of that.
0: One of our trips to Nebraska, and it may have been that 2012 trip, I remember walking across campus like the night before. And I don't know if you were walking with me or not, but I remember there were all these people walking somewhere, and and you could tell there was a big event. And I remember asking somebody where they were going, and they were going to the volleyball match. I mean, that is a huge sport there at nebraska and to see what they did the other night is, is just off the charts
1: nebraska is one of my favorite places we've been just I'm because they get it and i know people talk about the sellout streak and and they're they had to go to some extraordinary measures a couple of times to keep it alive but i don't care like their fans they're number one they're very loyal they're very passionate they're also very friendly to the visitors and like you get them together regardless of the sport but especially when you're in there in football like they they don't have to be told they know when they need to do something to impact the game and uh, it's really no secret to me or no big mystery why they've done what they've done there they got an incredible fan base
0: baseball with a little bit of news this past week Brian Hodge, named new assistant coach. He takes the place of Henry Lartigue, who went to East Carolina. But Coach Hodge coming in from uh, eastern Oklahoma it's State. It's
1: not pronounced Hod. It's, it's not.
0: And that's, that's something <laughs> worth bringing up anymore. So Brian Hodge uh, coming in from eastern Oklahoma State. Austin Izio is the new director of player development and Jacob Frederick who's been on the A-state pitching staff the last couple of years is now the new director of analytics.
1: With the addition of you know, the fact that you know the third assistant you know is now a thing let's get this is actually you know, coach Hodge in the spot that Henry Lartig was in and he had been elevated to an assistant. Between that and getting these other kind of support roles look it's it, these are steps in and obviously trying to help level the playing field for Coach Raffo and his staff. And obviously we know where a lot of those discrepancies lie, and some of those are going to take a lot of money to address. But these are some steps here to kind of help him have at his disposal the things other coaches in this league have at theirs.
0: All right. Anything else we need to discuss before we get out of here?
1: Listen, obviously Saturday is what Saturday was. And I'm not even mad about a lot of the – chatter out there because by and large it's from people who care right and and they're just they're hurt and upset and i get it right i understand so was everybody else and if there's if, and if people like the opinion of somebody who's really not an a-state person or somebody's not an a-state fan who gives a damn i don't care what those jokers type i understand that for the people who really care i mean it's gonna sometimes they, they have to have a an outlet that's all right but like i said earlier if you're bailing now that really that's not about this team as about kind of how in you were to begin with they lost a game that they were favored to lose by five touchdowns just to be honest to me it's all about what do we do from here and what do we do starting saturday night because if you get a big crowd in there make some noise and finally win that game that's been sitting right there to be won the last two years against memphis nobody's gonna care about oklahoma anymore
0: one thing that coach jones even brought up was at the end and i know you were there last year In Memphis, Mm -hmm. that was a game that A-State had. That game, and I know we lost Jordan Rhodes for the season on the offensive line there in the fourth quarter. and, And that was a big blow at that moment. But at the same time, including Ohio State last year, that was the loudest a crowd was against us. And the crowd played a huge role in Memphis winning that football game at the Liberty Bowl. The bottom line is, we need our crowd to be there and make that same kind of difference because we've seen it come down to the fourth quarter each of the last two years against yep. Memphis.
1: The last two years, the Hail Mary, the comeback. Yeah, even oh four, when they come in, and, you know, win you forty seven thirty five is because they went on a big scoring run in the fourth quarter. This game has a tendency to go down to the wire late and that's the tailor-made time where the home crowd can prove or help provide a winning edge
0: and kick off at six o'clock on saturday we hope to see you there as the red wolves take on their most played rival in school history with the memphis tigers coming in i appreciate robert spear coming in and spending time with us today had a lot of great stories i learned a lot during yeah, that visit
1: I, I always do from spear and he he's helped me a lot over the years especially when I was doing my show he helped me a lot because he understands the appreciation I have for the history of the place and he knows so much or just kind of stays in touch with so many people involved in the history of it that he's been a great resource for me so I always enjoy getting to hear him and you know, I think just for those of you keeping tabs at home, i was uh, I'm trying to see a list of teams he hated in that conversation. <laughs> Memphis, that's this week. Lafayette, Louisiana Tech. Louisiana and Southern Miss got thrown in there, too. Yeah, hate Southern Miss. So. I didn't see that one coming. No, they were a bonus. <laughs> I expected he hated all the rest of them, but Southern Miss, was. you buy three, get one free.
0: For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you at the game.